welcome to this week's edition of An Hour of Your Life, in which I, Kim, conducted a scientific experiment on myself for your benefit. Like I said, this is An Hour of Your Life, and my name is Kim. And my name is Steve. And I got that Fauci ouchie yesterday, got my second shot, and I did a little experiment. So you all have heard probably different things about which arm you should get shots in. And so I got my first one in my non-dominant arm and I got this one in my dominant arm. And I am here to tell you, drum roll please. We don't have a drum roll, but close enough. (laughs) I am here to tell you that they both hurt like you know what? And now, wait a minute. Now you might be scaring someone off who thought they may need to go get that second you shot. Still or start do, shot. You still do need to get your shots. Trust me, she's fine. Yeah. I she's mean, sassy. She's bossy. <laughs> Bring it, me a latte home. No, I said please. Um, yeah. it, they, they, both, they both hurt, but I will. And this is for like any shot, I would say. The shot itself doesn't hurt at all. Like I didn't even feel it. It's the aftermath that kind of hurts. I will say they hurt about the same. However, the one in my dominant arm hurts for less amount of time than the one in my non-dominant arm. So. I thought you said it was the opposite. No, it, well, it, I, it might hurt more actually a little bit more when you first get it in your dominant arm, like immediately it hurts more because you're using it and like, like I laid on it and I couldn't get comfortable or anything, but in the course of the day today, it's pretty much worked itself out versus last time it took like two or three days before my arm stopped hurting. Yeah. When I got my second shot, all it did was make me sleepy. I went in, I, Oh yeah. I, feel I, fine. I don't want to say I took a nap. I slept yeah. like six hours, but when I woke up, I was fine. Like nothing ever happened. Same. So it was like that with both shots. I got Pfizer, Steve got Moderna, uh, with both of my shots. I just was real, real tired. And, and I, Got real sore in the middle of the night, but then I went back to sleep and I woke up um, right as rain. Except my arm is still a little bit tender, but other hey, than that, I'm good. Hey, guess what? What? We have two new followers this week. Woohoo! Yeah, we have Shadowcat2012. Welcome. And another one of those, I think it's the Podbeam identifier. It is PBGE60773DK. <laughs> B K R. Well, so, welcome to you, whoever so, you are. Yeah, whoever you are. Thanks for listening. Change your name a little. Oh my God! <laughs> you say I'm bossy. Good grief, Steve! No, you can't just but, tell uh, somebody to look, change hey, their name. Thanks for following and listening to us. And you know what the homework assignment is? Go tell five friends about an hour of your life, and we'll we'll talk maybe at the end. We have something coming up that's. Really Ooh, are we going to announce it? No, not yet. Okay, not yet. Do we we got to get the right format and everything down. I do have a small announcement coming up at the end of the show though. Okay. Wait, we anyway. have an interview show today. I am so excited. I love it when we, I say I'm so excited every week, I feel like, but I do love when we have interview shows. We'll introduce her. Okay. So today we have a dear, dear, dear friend that I have known her entire life by the name of Emma is on the show today. Hello, Emma. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. I'm so glad that you could make it on. Emma is uh, 
kind of a Jill of all trades. Like she, you've done, I feel like you've done everything. Like you were doing, studying engineering for a little while. And then you just, she's a mom, like an amazing mom. And, but recently Emma has begun to kind of get into the world of wellness. And so we, we brought her on the show today to maybe talk a little bit about that and talk a little bit about, um, some of her wellness training and, and where she's coming from and all that kind of stuff. So welcome to the show, Emma. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. A pleasure to be here. Yeah. Do you want to take a minute and just tell us about yourself and. Sure. Absolutely. I think it's funny that Kim brought up engineering when I was in college you know, through high school, they didn't really tell us how to pick what you're going to major in. So a math teacher had told me I'd be good at engineering. It's what he did. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I started in engineering. And then through the five and a half ish years that I was at Wright State, I changed my major just as many times as the years that I was there. So I ultimately left with a degree in communication studies and technical writing. Okay. Is math a problem? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Didn't you actually found the, um, the, isn't, wasn't there like a club that you founded at Wright State, like the communication technical writing club? Yeah, we kind of refounded it. So there was a technical writing club in existence earlier at Wright State, and then it, it became inactive and there weren't any active members or, um, anything else. So myself and my professor at the time kind of revamped it, um, and relaunched, um, to be quite honest with you, I don't know where it stands today, um, but that was something that we did the second half of my senior year there. Yeah. So, and like, so like I said, Emma is, um, one of the things that I love the most is surrounding myself with people who are good at a lot of things. And Emma, I think is definitely falls into that category. Um, so what Emma, what do you do now? So right now from nine to five or more like eight to four. Um, I have a a full-time position working for an insurance company in HR. Um, I work on our contingent workforce program. So I help our company um, create relationships with staffing vendors that are going to help us connect with uh, temporary resources, contractors, and consultants, and that type of thing. In my later hours, um, in addition to momming, I am a beach body coach and am in school for, to be a yoga teacher. Um, I just began that a couple of months ago. Which I think is super exciting. But so Kim started yoga last month. I love it. And she kept saying, Steve, come in here and try this. <laughs> I, with me. I said, I'll never get off the floor. Um, okay. So let's go but there. We'll get first. there in a minute. Oh, okay. We'll get there in a minute then. <laughs> um, I love yoga. Emma, uh, Emma's actually the one that got me started on yoga. Um, so, but how did your journey kind of into wellness start? Yeah. So it actually really started a little over 10 years ago. So I actually, I had some blood work done, found out I had high cholesterol 18 and knew I had to do something about that. So I started eating healthier. Um, I had struggled with constipation my whole life and knew that diet change could help with that. So I did it. I knew I needed to, and I took control of the one thing that I could control at that point in time, which was my diet. Um, I noticed how much better I felt. So I just continued to grow from there and include elements of fitness in that. Um, and when I was pregnant with my daughter, honestly, it fell off of the priority list. And it surprised me that it did because I always thought I would be the woman to take the pregnancy walks and eat all of the foods and all those Mm -hmm. sorts of things, but Mm -hmm. I didn't. Kid, kids will do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> they take yeah. a lot more time than you ever think. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it didn't go like I thought it would. And um, 
through that, I ended up, um, I had pretty severe postpartum depression. And when I was coming out of that, I realized a big piece of my recovery was going to be refocusing back onto my wellness where I had fallen off a little bit as I was pregnant and it it restarted and I had new motivate, new motivation. Now I had a daughter that I wanted to set an example for and encourage her on a lifestyle that would make things easier for her. So is there a lot of time management in this, that that was just part of your focus? And if it is, what helped you refocus and, and do that if it, if it is at all. So time management is uh, my biggest weakness. Yeah. It's funny that you brought that up. Cause I actually, I have a friend who is like, if I were to describe her to strangers in a way that I am now, one of her identifying characteristics is her time management skills and the way that she loves her planner. So I last week or the week before I was feeling really overwhelmed by everything. And so I asked her if we could FaceTime and she showed me her planner and how she manages her time. And so things have gotten a little bit better, but that's definitely something that I struggle with. Um, and that is one of the things that is a priority for me this year and helping myself. I mean, I stay well. Yeah. I personally used to be able to keep things just straight in my head and with a routine, but I find that keeping things straight in my head is not as easy as it used to be. And I have to, I have to write things down now a lot more to, to do what I have to do. Well, and I think maybe some of that comes with your lifestyle too. And just like, I mean, we've got, um, we've got the show, you've got, you know, at one point we each had two jobs, um, and we're doing the show and, uh, just different, just life. And so Emma, I would imagine you're probably the same. Like you have a regular full-time job plus being a beach body coach, plus trying to take care of your daughter, plus just all of the other things that come with, with just kind of being, um, a motivator to other people. Uh, it, it's a lot. It is. And I do think I've found a little bit of success in setting certain time blocks aside. So the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is make a a post in my accountability group that I have on Facebook. It's the first thing I do every day. If I don't already have it scheduled leading up to that, I work, you know, four, four and a half hours, work out on my lunch break, check in with the people on my team, go back to work. And then in the evening is where things sometimes fall apart because I'm not the mercy of a (laughs) two-year-old. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> she she is a very good two-year-old though she's very sweet and she's very smart and and she so tell tell us a little bit about that um well, I've just heard some people describe two-year-olds as that like that little terrorist that's laying over there she's not like that though right like <laughs> sometimes I mean any, no, she's anytime I ever see her she's very um like you can tell that she is she is the only grandchild so far um, she is your only child. Like she's the only child in the family. And so being the only child, she's kind of the darling of everybody's eye. And so she, I think that she knows that on some level. Um, mm-hmm. and so she is very, she's, I love her to death, but she's very much <laughs> like, this is my world. Well, I, I will yeah. tell you for a fact that the babies of the family, we have the best personalities. <laughs> Would you agree, Emma? Would you agree with that? No, no Emma's the Emma's the, the forgotten middle oh, child. That's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Case in point, right there. <laughs> so, so, uh, but it, uh, let's go back a well, little that bit. Explains it, Ted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Emma, who? Let's go back a little bit. Um, at one point, you were one of the things that I feel like 
like what, the wellness that when I think of wellness, I think of your sleep training. You at one point were a sleep counselor. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I remember when you started that training, I had never knew that there was such a thing. And I remember thinking that sounds like the coolest job in the world that you get yeah. to teach people how to sleep because sleep, I mean, I, I've heard that it's very important to your well-being. Can you talk a little bit about that and how sleep is important and what a sleep coach does? So when I was pregnant, I knew that sleep was going to be an issue for me because like most people, when I'm tired, I am not the best version of myself. I'm cranky. <laughs> I'm impatient. Right. So, you know, it's, it's a known fact that kids sleep is kind of erratic. It's all over the place. So I knew I wanted to do whatever I could to get ahead of that. So I started researching, um, ways to help your baby sleep. And in that I found sleep consultant, um, materials and I found the family sleep Institute. And I thought if I'm going to learn this for myself, I might as well learn it in a way that I can use to help other people. So I joined their sleep consultant training program. I went through that. I never officially practiced, um, but I've helped family and friends where I can. And it's been hugely instrumental in making sure that we stay on track with our sleep in the house. I love that. What is that? How do you, how do you do that? Like how, what do you do to, to coach and, and consult and train somebody how to sleep better? Does it involve NyQuil? <laughs> For me, yes. <laughs> I've never given her any yet. So at its very basic, what it comes down to is just understanding the science of sleep a little bit better so that I can help families make decisions their child's sleep. So learning about sleep rhythms and how much sleep we need at any given age, how many naps we need, what time we need to go to bed and all that sort of thing. And then from there, it's learning different strategies to help the kids sleep and how I can communicate that to the parents so that they can implement it within their lives. So um, there's recommendations for, um, on a wide scale from what we often hear is called cry it out or the extinction method where you put the child to bed and let them figure it out until they fall asleep. Um, and then the opposite end of that being very high involvement where you're with them every step of the way until they fall asleep. I tend to like methods somewhere in the middle, um, but different sleep consultants like different things and find better fits with different families. So it's all about what works best for you. I would imagine really what works best when you say best for you. My first thought was what works with the child. Is that yes. more accurate? Yeah. Cause yes and no. Cause I think know. it's most kids will adjust to whatever you teach them. And it often means finding a way that fits your lifestyle. When you have families that perhaps work a second shift, it can be difficult to get them to bed by 6.30, right? So what can we do to make that happen? How can we adjust what we as the leaders of the household are doing so that it's easier for the child? Um, so yes and no. I think from the way the parents tend to the child, it is definitely more for what they need. But in a larger scale, it's about what works for everyone. Okay. Well, I mean, that makes sense to me. Oh, yeah. I never really thought about that, too. Um, if the parent has an irregular sleep schedule, then, you know, is it best for the child to also have an irregular sleep schedule? Or, you know, like say, um, it, I work second shift a lot of times. If we were to have a child, would it be beneficial for that child to also be on a second shift schedule? But then later on, when they start school, they're going to have to reevaluate that. So I never really thought about that. No, my vote okay. would be put him down at seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and my you, vote would be with you, Steve. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, all right. You're the professional. <laughs> So then you kind of transitioned from there and kind of really broadened well, my, your wellness. My putting them down at seven was for selfish reasons. Well, yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, and so you say that you are a Beachbody coach. What exactly is Beachbody? Yeah, so Beachbody is a company that creates, shares, and supports a variety of fitness programs as well as nutrition programs and other um, health products. So they have things like pre-workout, protein shakes, et cetera. Um, I've actually been a Beachbody subscriber, if you will, for about that same 10 years. Um, one of their earlier programs is called P90X. A lot of people have heard of, I have like the original DVDs. Now everything's on demand. Where, where do you um, play them? Where do you play a DVD anymore? <laughs> What's a DVD? I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have to ask my dad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're now it's, it's mostly all online on Beachbody on demand. So they have a ton of programs. I, we call it like the Netflix of workouts. So you can find any program, um, any length, any like skill level, fitness level, whatever. Um, so I've always done their programs. And then this past fall, um, I was working with a coach. So a Beachbody coach is really just like an accountability partner. There's somebody that's there to help you um, pick a program that's right for you, keep you on track with that program, provide support for you, et cetera. Um, and I was working with a coach who invited me to also be a coach. And this was when I was really feeling like, all right, I've finally come back into who I am after falling into a hole for a little while. I want other people to feel what I feel now. And I want to help them get there. This was like the perfect culmination of all of that. And so when she invited me to be a coach myself, I said, yes. And at first I thought, I'll just kind of do this passively. And as I got into it, I thought even more, I'm going to just do this. I want to help as many people as I can and, and do whatever I need to, to make that happen. Well, does Beachbody help you align up with someone like say, if Kim or I want to do this, how would we find a partner or an accountability partner or someone I can, you know, what you do? Yeah. So you can come like for you to, you come directly to me. If anybody was, you know, just heard of Beachbody and curious, they could go to their website. You can always join without a coach. Um, and then you can do coach searches as well. Okay. So yeah. you can find everything you need, like anything else online. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> so what is your, what is your, what is your end goal? I mean, you right now have like your, your nine to five job. Is this something that you think that you want to develop your own wellness program or become like a, like make this your, your new career? Yes and no. I mean, it would be great if it, if it did take off that way. But for me, I love my job. I love my nine to five job and I don't see myself leaving it anytime soon. And for me, it's really about just helping more people. It's not something that I've done to get out of the job that I'm in or create a new opportunity. That said, the thing that I really hope becomes something that I can do to supplement my income when the time is right is teach yoga. Um, as much as I love Beachbody and will continue to do that, yoga has long been where my passion lies from like a physical exercise component that also combines the spiritual and the mental components as well, which is what my view of wellness encompasses. So Beachbody is a piece of that, but yoga for me brings it all together. Hmm. So if Kim were to get into a rut as far as coaching, 
how would you approach that? How would what would you do yeah, when to I, get her out of that rut? When I fall into a yeah. rut and I'm like, man, I am just sitting here stuffing my face with Cheez-Its and beer and I just don't have any <laughs> desire to do anything. Talk yeah, me out of it. And, and there's something good coming on Netflix tonight. Yeah. We're going to binge all night long. Yeah. Yeah. It happens so often, not just with, you know, the people that I help support, but with myself too. I mean, I'm still human as much as this means to me, it happens to me regularly. And I think it really just comes down to being able to identify what things are getting you into that rut. And I am a huge advocate, advocate for reflection. I encourage people to keep journals. What are you eating? What are you doing throughout the day? What are you talking about? Who are you surrounding yourself with? All of these factors can play a role into how we're feeling at the end of the day and what we're motivated to do or not do. And I would love to talk more about yoga because you are the one that got me into yoga. Um, I think I mentioned on the show before that I'm doing 30 days every month. Um, I'm doing a different kind of challenge for myself. And February was yoga. And I did yoga every day and I absolutely loved it. And I felt like I increased my flexibility significantly just by doing 15, 20 minutes a day of yoga. I did try to get my darling husband to do yoga with me. And he (laughs) says, I'm not going to be able to get up off the floor. What do you, yoga guru, say to him? I got the power button here to cut you completely (laughs) off. (laughs) I don't have a time machine or anything to make you younger, but I can say that (laughs) though I am still learning. So I don't know that I can, I don't know that I can truly call myself a, a guru or an expert or anything like that, because I am still learning as we all always are. The one thing that I love about yoga is you can find something for anybody. There are yoga practices that are fully standing. There are some that are on the ground entirely and you can just stay there for days after you, you know, finish your little stretch there, Steve, but <laughs> I think it's just about finding the right fit for you. And do you assess that's always a, different. Do you assess a person's ability before you start and recommend this is where I think you should start? Yeah. So, you know, I've not done this in like a, an official or professional way, but much like I did with Kim, it's talking about the things that are bothering you. So knowing that your knees are bothering you. And even though that might necessarily um, prohibit you from doing anything specific, it will kind of steer me in one direction versus another. Um, wrists are a very common thing, ankles and knees. So if somebody's having a lot of leg issues, the more time we can spend on the ground, the better. It's my back. <laughs> it's my back. Cat cow for days. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Would you recommend day. someone consult a physician before they start a program like what you're doing or anything like this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah especially if we're talking about chronic pain and things like that. Now, one thing with, with beach body that, you know, at the start of every workout at the start of every, you know, subscription or enrollment, if you will, there is a, the reminder to check with your consultant beforehand. Um, that's not really my area of expertise to say whether or not you're in a position to work out. I've had people talk to me that have had recent injuries and things like that. And I ask, are you cleared to work out? You know, I don't want to be encouraging someone to do something, that they shouldn't be doing. Um, but also sense. understanding that there's a level of personal responsibility and I need to make sure that, you know, I'm pro- supporting them the best way that I can without overstepping. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the different kinds of yoga? Cause when we talk about yoga, we, I always just think 
yoga. Like, because we watched a documentary on hot yoga. Yeah. Ooh. And it wasn't anything like what I thought it was, <laughs> honestly. Well, the beginnings of hot yoga, the the basics of hot yoga and the way that the guy that founded it. Well, what I learned is just do yoga when it's about like 110 degrees in the building. Yeah. That's what I learned. Yeah. The guy that founded hot yoga was not a good guy, but but they it's since morphed and like they've left that guy behind. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that's been really cool in the yoga teacher training is the whole first section was about the history and philosophy of yoga. And so one of my personal missions as I'm getting into this is to make sure I do justice to the history of yoga, because I think especially where we live and how it is in our culture, we forget about the origins of it and it becomes more of a, it's a physical workout and we forget about a lot of it. What are the origins? Yeah. So the first writings of yoga are found in, and I, my pronunciation is not going to be correct. I can show you that, uh, ancient Hindu texts called the Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, which were, I'm, I'm hesitant to even share a year because I'm certain I will get it wrong, but I believe 1500, 1700 BC. So this, oh, wow. It BC, in, that's in old. India. Yes. Okay. It did start in India. However, the first mentions of yoga, there's no physical component whatsoever. It's all about the mind. Really? And it wasn't until much later that we started to introduce components of the mind. And even still in the earlier years, it was not what we, you and I think of yoga as. Hmm. It was more centered around postures and sounds um, than it was about moving, moving through different poses. Okay, you're going to have to explain sounds to me. I mean, I know what sounds are, <laughs> but how would this, how would this apply? Are you familiar with the word mantra? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we often think of mantra as like the intention that we set before our practice. Like I, I am focused. I'm going to stay focused. We repeat it to ourselves throughout. In, in its true sense, mantra stands for the mon is mind and tra is tool. So it's a mind tool. And in early yoga practice, it's more of the om. So if you've ever done a yoga class or heard the chant of om, yes. Steve's making his, that's a mudra. So the position in which you hold your hands is your mudra. So it's learning or understanding the wavelengths that encourage different reactions in the brain. Oh, wow. I mean, this, and I I know it is for a lot of people. I mean, for some people, it seems like it's just something, you know, they took a class in college because it sounded cool or sounded fun. But for some people... This is an entire lifestyle. People have dedicated their whole lives to yoga. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have a coworker um, who is from India and her mom is a, a yogi, a legitimate yogi in India. And it is so interesting to get to talk to her about the differences because, you know, she and I have done yoga virtually together. Um, and she's told me, you know, I, I shared this with my mom and, and she's so interested in seeing the way that things have grown. Um, from what they see as a very simple, more mindful than physical act. Well, you mentioned you were talking about mind, spirit, body. Can you recognize if someone's not in harmony? I mean, I imagine it's very important for all these things to be working together. Can you can you recognize that and then help correct that or put them in the right I... space they need to be? You know, I think through the reflection that we talked about a little bit ago and, and just talking through potential barriers, I can pick up on pieces of that, but that's not something that I'm necessarily like, like I can't look at you and through a few 
few or a short conversation, pick out where you're out of balance. But I think as we talk and things come up, I think honestly, one of the biggest barriers that I see with people is, is a mind barrier Mm. because their mind is telling them they're not good enough or, you know, they get caught up in things at work. And so then they don't want to work out afterwards and, um, or whatever it may be. Um, so I can pick up on some things through conversation and through that reflection or help them identify those areas. Um, but I don't know that I could, um, do it flawlessly. Do you, what, what about chakras? You hear a lot about chakras. Is that a thing? And it is a thing what? that I know very little about. <laughs> okay. Cause I know that they're supposed to be like seven of them and sometimes they're used in yoga and sometimes they're not. And that there's like yin yoga and hatha yoga and hot yoga and all these different things. Yep. So I think I learned about chakras in my next, um, one of my next sections, but you know, and you mentioned, um, some of the different types of yoga right there, which I had meant to answer a little bit ago, but, um, Hatha, Yin and Vinyasa are the three, what I would call probably the most common scene in like Western culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Yin yoga is the yoga where you get into a pose and then you hold that pose for usually three to five minutes. Oh, wow. So you're holding this pose, you're relaxing into it. I'm not talking about balance poses. I'm talking about poses where you're lying down a twist or child's pose or something like that, where you're comfortable and you're just letting your body relax into it taking deep breaths and letting yourself just calm. Hmm. Hatha yoga is. It's almost like a meditative kind of thing for yin yoga. Absolutely. Gotcha. And they all really are. Um, You just have to learn, learn how to make it meditative because it can be challenging to keep that in mind in vinyasa yoga, for example, which is a flow where you move through um, set poses in sequence, um, usually in repetition and then Hatha yoga being kind of more of the ad lib, if you will, where you hold a pose for a little bit, make a transition into the next and so on. Mm. So how do you, what do you say to people who you hear a lot about, um, the energy flow of yoga. And, um, a lot of times, like when you're doing a yoga class, um, the leader will say, breathe into this area, what do you? I, I, do I you, just got a notification and popped up on the laptop. It said, "Save energy." <laughs> it was from the power company. Oh my gosh! Okay. We, just because we were talking about energy. <laughs> so how? And I know that that is a hard thing for a lot of people in Western society to kind of get your mind around and like be okay with. Is this energy, like the transfer of energy and the movement of energy? There are mm-hmm. a lot of skeptics. What do you say to that kind of thing? Yeah. So to the skeptics and to those that are really maybe trying to open up to it or just have questions, I tend to say it's all about what you are open to and what you're interested in. If you have no interest in learning about energies or opening yourself up to them, or you're, you're truly closed off to them, you're not going to get to experience that in the same way that somebody that's open to it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're wanting to try something, if you're going into a situation where they're offering you the opportunity to experience that, and you can go into it with an open mind, you're likely to experience something. But if you go into it expecting to experience nothing or even wanting to experience nothing to prove that there's nothing, you're likely not going to. But if you go into it with an open mind, you might. And when we talk about, like you said, breathing into certain areas, I think that can mean whatever it means for whoever you are. For some people, that means I'm going to try to feel the expansion as I breathe into my lower back. 
For other people, it might just mean I'm going to breathe as deeply as I can so that the air can reach my lower back. It's different ways to think of the same thing. Just an example of a way that we can all interpret the question or the the presence of energies differently. Um, and of course, there's like, you know, what we consider official definitions of these things or official practices. But when I think about how to adopt these things into our daily lives and our culture, it's all about finding what works best for you. Hmm. I really like that too. And that's one of the things that I love about yoga is, um, it seems to be pretty universal throughout the yoga community that nobody is really pushing anybody to do, I mean, good, the, the, the good yoga community, nobody's really pushing anybody to do anything that makes them uncomfortable. That's not the point. The point is growth and balance and, um, and, and pushing yourself as much as you're comfortable without hurting yourself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or especially physically. Well, I, I mean, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to admit that as I always looked at yoga, I, I never tried to put mind, body, spirit into it. it. For me, it just looked like stretching exercises. And believe it or not, for most of my life, I led a pretty physical and active life and exercise and running and doing stuff like that. And always, you know, before we would stretch and some of the poses reminded me is like, well, I'm doing yoga right now, but I never put the Mm -hmm. part one to part two and to part three. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of intriguing to put all that together that I need to do more than just stretch before I go for a run. I honestly, I'm not going for a run anymore. (laughs) I honestly, that month that I did yoga, um, I need to do more yoga now. Um, I kind of shifted my, my exercise focus to something else this month, but I did not feel as I, I don't remember the last time I felt as at peace as the month that I was doing yoga. Like Mm. I became much more, much more aware of sounds, much more aware of just the things that are going on around me. There was a, a while there that I was just overloaded. Like if the TV was going and something else was happening and something else was happening during that time that I was doing yoga, I was very aware of all of it. And I, I, it's kind of, that's kind of faded a little bit since I've backed off a little bit, but I, I just found that was so fascinating. Well, you're a lot happier person when you ditched Facebook. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's its own toxic thing, but do you find yeah. that to be true for yourself, Emma, that you notice things more? Absolutely. And one of the things that you may have heard in some of the yoga that you did and a common phrase said by yoga instructors is we're learning a lesson that we're going to take that we're going to learn on the mat and take it off the mat. Mm-hmm. When we talk about balance, for example, you might be thinking about how to center yourself on the mat and within, you know, within yourself. And then we think about centering ourselves in life. When we think about recognizing tension, where we are holding on to things that we don't need to hold on to. So when we're maybe gripping in our side or our leg, we're in life, we hold on to tensions and things that aren't serving us that aren't really doing anything for us, but we continue to hold on to them. So for me, it's really this lesson of doing the yoga, paying attention to how my body feels and how my mind feels and taking those same lessons and applying them to my life outside of yoga. And what changes can I make there to make myself? I would imagine as a parent, that is hugely helpful. (laughs) Yes. 
Yeah. Most days, like, I mean, she's two, right? She's two and a half. So we've had the the terrible twos and you're Mm. absolutely right. She's a very sweet girl. And I'm very, very fortunate that I can probably count the number of meltdowns that broke my heart on my fingers. So it's not to the point that they've all blended together. But at the end of those days, I know exactly what I need to do. Right, and yeah. as soon as she goes to bed, I roll my mat out. <laughs> when Kim was operating the uh, the Nook, the, the preschool, and there'd be all these little toddlers running around. And it's like, okay, that kid's too, but she doesn't really know how to throw a good temper tantrum yet. So maybe, yeah. you know, like we've, we've made it through this and we're not going to do yeah. it. But then they turn three. Maybe they're just late bloomers. And three they, teenagers. Oh, yeah. yeah. They can throw themselves on the floor. and. Well, and that's one of the things, too. Like, the only times I push see your daughter. Push themselves in the corner. And, yeah, I see your daughter when she is. I, I absolutely adore this kid because I always see her when she's smiling and when she's doing good and when she's coloring and being sweet. But, you, I mean, obviously, she's going to be good around other people for the most part. And on, yeah. you know, on social media and stuff, you're not going to post her temper tantrums. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> I've tried to I mean, I watched that kid. Share. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I watched the kid throw a 10 minute temper tantrum over a piece of toast. Mm. And you took a picture. Well, you didn't <laughs> throw it on. Emma's. No. Not Emma's little girl. But you, yeah, but you, you. Oh, yeah, no. You videoed that and you sent it to her mom always. and we all sat there and laughed. Yes, the kid that you are thinking of is a champion tantrum thrower. But She's the best. So what? how does your wellness translate into, um, into your daughter's life and, and kind of how you're raising her? Yeah, I think one of the, okay, two biggest things. One, it keeps me motivated because I want to set an example for her. I want to show her, I don't want to say how easy it is, but how possible it is to take control of the things in your life that you're not happy with. Hmm. And I want her to always know that she has that control. And the second thing really as more for me as a parent is again, in a, in a way of reflection, when I look at these situations that I could very easily get stressed out about and be mad at her or want to punish her or whatever, asking myself, does this really matter in the grand scheme of things? For example, I was giving her a bath the other day. She wanted to play with the shower hose. I thought, okay, why not? She pulls the little thing that turns it into a shower instead of a bath and there's water (laughs) everywhere, you know? Gut reaction was, let me shut this off. Let me get her out of the tub. Let me clean everything else up probably pretty quickly and pretty angrily. Instead, we just played. Aww, the bathroom was that. a mess. Everything was wet. There's some water damage. Whatever. She had a blast. She learned a lesson. And it didn't change. I mean, it didn't ruin anything. It didn't ruin my day. Our day ended a lot better than it would have if I would have gotten mad about it. Does she watch you and try to imitate you and do yoga with you? It is my favorite thing. And a quick shout out to Kim for sending us a little kid's yoga mat that she absolutely loves. So Does it she has, is it? Good. Not in the way you would think, but she has <laughs> one. Anytime the mat's out, she calls it yo-yo. Aww. I think we've, it's yo-yo, yo-yo, yoga. She calls it different <laughs> things depending on the day. But before she had her mat, she would, anytime I had left mine out, she would get on it and she, you know, would just move through, but. The little mat that you sent us, I don't know if you realize this, has squares with different poses on them. So there's one that has star pose, arms up, like YMCA, leg spread. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's like nine of them. But instead of actually doing them, she just stands in the middle and says, which one, mommy? And then I tell her one and she goes and stands on it. And then she says, which one, mommy? And so it's just like a little hopscotch game right now. Um, But we do do little little yoga sequences together. It's very cool to see her. If someone were to listen to this and think, you know, I need to start doing this. 
So it's like you, you, you work, you have a full-time job. How many mm-hmm. hours, how much time do they need to devote to this in the evening or in the morning before they go to work? How much extra time is it going to take up to, to practice and do this? Yeah, literally however much you want. I can go in, like if, if I'm feeling stiff in the morning, especially I'll do five minutes. You can do up to an hour and a half, literally anything. Right now I'm doing, um, and I, I would honestly say YouTube is the best resource. There's a couple of instructors there that I like. You can literally just type in yoga for beginners or whatever it may be and something will come up. Um, what I'm doing right now is one of the instructors that I really like, her YouTube channel is Yoga with Cassandra. She is doing a 30 day, 15 minute evening yoga challenge. So every day she releases a 15 minute video that's meant to be done in the evening before bed. Do I recognize so her, Kim? Very yes. short. Okay. You, you like her. She's your you favorite. Like <laughs> we all like her. She's everybody's favorite. All right. Well, that's. So yeah. So I think. Yeah. Do you, do you have a YouTube channel? So I have made one and I have recorded videos, but I've not published it because I can't come up with a name. So anybody listening, if you have an idea. <laughs> yoga with Emma is already taken. No. Well, I wanted to incorporate more than yoga. I haven't recorded any yoga for it yet. Oh. Um, so I've got to do something. I did. I recorded one yoga video that I shared with my accountability group. That was just a bedtime yoga. I really just wanted to see how, you know, before all of my trainings, how do I do if I try to talk through yoga and explain it to somebody? Am I any good at it? Like, how hard am I going to have to work to become good at this? How do and, you-, you know, it was like nine minutes. And I was actually surprised with how I did. Nice. One of the things I've always wondered is how do you come up with like the yoga sequences? Like the videos and stuff that I watch, they make it seem so flawless. But it may, I, I, I think it's probably like writing a lesson plan, right? Like you have to figure yeah. out things in advance. So how do you determine yep. And it's one of the things that I'm most looking forward to about this training, because even with knowing the poses, it doesn't make sense to go from, you know, A to X. Sometimes you need to go, you have to go in order to get through poses. And, um, you know, I think it's, and again, I've, I've not, I'm not through this point of my training, but in my experience, when I just freestyle yoga, it's thinking through the most seamless way to get from point A to point B. It's, understanding what poses are available to get you there and where you want to spend time. So if you're doing a yoga, that's maybe specifically for hips, which poses can you do in between your two and your beginning and your end goal that are also going to serve that same purpose of stretching your hips or working your hips or strengthening your hips. And something that I told Steve that I really was trying to like kind of come down on is there's (laughs) modifications for everything. Like even if you, so if you can't do, there's something called crow pose, which is literally like, you're just balancing, you pull your feet up like a kind of a diamond shape underneath your hips. And then you're just standing Mm -hmm. on your hands and no feet on the ground at all. But there's ways, there's modifications of crow pose where you may be like, your feet are on the ground, but you kind of rock forward on the balls of your feet and your toes. So you're not putting weight on your heels. And like, there's modifications for everything. So there's a yoga for everybody. Yep. You said something earlier, um, about respecting your body, essentially, not pushing Mm -hmm. yourself to do anything that you can't do. And I think that's where those modifications really come into play. It's looking or trying to do something, recognizing that you can't do it quite to the extent and then finding something in between that's more appropriate for you. 
And this doesn't necessarily indicate an inability or an inflexibility or anything else. People just have different capabilities. And so it's understanding where yours are. I've got a tight right hip. I can't do everything on my right leg that I'd like that I can do on my left. That doesn't mean that I'm not good or, you know, that there's anything wrong with what is happening, but just that I need to do it a little bit differently. I'm getting inspired. Oh, does that mean you're going to do yoga with me now? Yeah, there's a good chance I will. I mean, I just need to improve my flexibility. That's it. That's yes, I, Emma. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I, you. Thank you. I finally got him to do yoga. So, are you looking for clients right now or? Not for yoga because I'm not officially certified. You know, mm-hmm. I'm still very early in the process of my training and I have so much more that I want to learn. I would be happy to be a resource for anybody that's looking for a place to get started or just to learn a little bit more, much like I did for Kim. Mm -hmm. Let me connect you with some resources that are appropriately trained and can help you right now. I don't ever want to, you know, mislead or misinform or, you know, try to do something that I I can't do. Um, But I have done enough myself to be able to point people in the right direction. Yeah. Okay. So, if you are listening and this interests you, or would you be willing to converse FaceTime or not FaceTime or text or whatever with people? Of course. Okay. I'm always be- happy. Like, how yeah. can people find you? How do people find me on Instagram? I am at wellness with Emma G. Write okay, that down. That's- and wellness on- with Emma G. Yeah. All right. That's where you find me. That's easy. That's Write my- it down. Don't forget. So, Emma, where do you see yourself in one year? And let's say in relationship to this, where do you see yourself in one year? And then we'll move on to five years and 10 years and then 20 years. So let's let's start with one year. I'll try not to get ahead of myself then in one year. So my plan is to finish my yoga certification by the end of this year. Okay. So then within the following, that gives me four more months of the next. Are we talking fiscal? No, I'm just kidding. So by next April, <laughs> year, I'd like to be year ish. Year ish. By next April, um, I would like to be teaching. You know, at least one yoga class a week within a studio. So not anything self-run, but just um, you know maybe a Tuesday evening and a Saturday morning type thing um, where I'm teaching a class. Um, and then you know, with Beachbody, really, I just love to keep supporting my community and, and helping people um, reach their goals. Okay. Now let's go, let's move to five years. Five years. Okay. As it relates to fitness. Yeah. Hopefully in five years, I'll have another fitness child. Your goals. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and it's your goals. Okay. Um, you know, I think with yoga, I have this idea of creating kind of a virtual studio um, where myself and then I can invite others as well that either teach yoga or other um, wellness oriented things. Um, and I'd, I'd love to have that launched within the next five years. I think that's the biggest one. Okay. So Kim, write down right now. Yeah, I know. Bring Emma back as a guest in, in five, five years. years. Okay. I, and I five really, years. I think it's so interesting that you say a virtual studio. This pandemic has really changed so mm-hmm. much. Um, I know like as far as for us, I was never really comfortable going to a gym. Um, I don't like people watching me work out. I just feel out of my element, but it's so easy to do yoga in your bedroom. Like you don't, yes. you're not, nobody's really watching you. Um, 
or if they are, it's like you can kind of control how many people are watching you. So I, I love the idea of the virtual yoga studio that you can access any time of the day or night and, you know, invite people, don't invite people. Yeah, that's I mean, YouTube, it's just been phenomenal, I think, for yoga right now. And there are, you know, I follow a couple instructors that have done live Zoom calls and things like that. But just for those of us who want to practice at home and don't want to go somewhere or can't go somewhere, you know, I've been doing it. I've been doing yoga using YouTube for much longer because, you know, with a small child, you can't just leave and go to a yoga class anytime, you know? So I had to find ways to do that at home already. And then I think the, the last year and change has shown us how much is possible without even leaving our homes. And so, um, I want to continue to provide those resources for people because who knows what our, our comfort levels are going to be moving sure, absolutely. forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That, I mean, this past year has not only changed our lives, it's changed the world and we'll mm-hmm. see what evolves, what sticks, what stays. I kind of got a feeling that education where a lot of people were really, when we let's talk about traditional education, where a lot of people thought, oh, we could do everything by Zoom and virtual. Mm-hmm. I think no. that idea is going to kind of like, we need to get kids in an actual classroom. And while some kids may be good doing the virtual stuff, the bulk of them need to be sitting in a classroom and learning that way. So who knows what's mm-hmm. going to happen as we, as we come off COVID restrictions and the world reverts back. How much is it going to revert back to what it was? How much are we going to keep with what we learned? There's, you know, hopefully we'll, there'll be good lessons learned that we can take from this and move forward. I, I yeah, don't know. And I think the, the wellness industry is so interesting too, because it, I think that the last year and a half or whatever has really taught us the importance of that, um, emotional and spiritual health as well, mm-hmm. um, with not being able to, you know, get a hug from your parents or your grandparents and not being able to see your best friend and not being able to do all of this stuff, how social we as a species are and how we really do need each other and kind of, um, you know, like we said, yoga taps into all of that. Absolutely. I think it was a really, I'll say it was a bittersweet opportunity for us to take time to figure out exactly what we need to feel good and to pay attention to what we were missing from our life pre-coronavirus and how can we kind of make up for that now I think that's a great point can't have what we wanted and one thing that my company did throughout the past year that I really appreciated was a, a variety of wellness initiatives things ranging from you know, bring in an external party to teach us about stress management and meditation, having somebody come in and show stretches, not come in, but show up on zoom. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, just really help people stay focused on taking care of themselves. And I appreciate it so much. And I can tell that it's really made a difference just in, in how our employees feel across the board. Yeah. And everyone is so different. I mean, some people just went with all this and is like, eh, you know, life is happening. I, you know, we'll move on. Everything will be fine one day. And then some people really, really couldn't cope and had 
serious I, mental health issues. I know of at with least three lockdown. personally that were suicidal this past year because yeah. of all of the things happening. So yeah, it's fascinating, and I love that commute or um, and like n- big companies are doing things like that to really uh, it kind of yeah. humanizes it a little bit, and it's beneficial oh, yeah. for everybody. Absolutely. They even launched a, um, a leadership update series um, where they, they would have leaders come on um, and talk about, you know, other business things. But then they always close the call with questions about how they've been handling things. You know, how have things been for you? How are you managing and what are you most looking forward to about this, you know, quote unquote, new normal? Um, and it was just so cool to see these people brought back down to earth that as just like normal employees, you think like they're untouchable, right? Or they're not experiencing this the same way I am. Well, that, that really good leadership techniques right there that people, you know, you know, you don't know if they're taught or if it's just a natural leadership thing, but it, like Kim said, it kind of humanizes and makes everything. Hey, my, my boss actually cares. My company that I work for actually cares about me. And, you know, maybe through all this, people will realize that you got to take care of your people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Emma, I've enjoyed this and we're going to run out of time shortly. Do you want to leave us with any last thoughts that you want to bring out and tell about what you do or just your final thoughts on all this? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we kind of touched on it, but my view of wellness is that in order for, for me to be well, I need to take care of my mind, my body, and my spirit. But my larger view of wellness is that each individual needs to find what works for them. I think it varies by person. Everybody's personality is different. Everybody's needs are different. And so what works for me might not work for you. And as somebody that is passionate, passionate about helping people be well, my goal is to understand what you're going through, what your goals are, where you want to be. And so that I can help you find whatever you need to get there. I think by being well, we open ourselves up for just so much more happiness and success in life because things are just better when you're happier. And that's something that we can actually do something about when there's so much in this world that we have no control over. I think by taking control of our own health, uh, we can we can just make the world a little bit better of a place by taking care of ourselves and presenting the best version of us to everyone else. I mean, look how much companies have changed. I mean, if we were talking about this in the 50s or 60s, it's like, go to work in your paycheck, be happy mm-hmm. you're getting paid, do right. your job, and I'll see you tomorrow morning at 6.30 when, when the building <laughs> opens again. Yeah. And now look how much different companies are incorporating all this type of stuff and just doing things for their employees. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like we as, as a society are better off because of it. So, Yeah, in grad school, I learned this equation. Uh talking about employee productivity or performance is the product of your motivation and your ability. And when I think about motivation, that's not just getting a paycheck, right? Your motivation is so much greater when you you know, are committed to your organization, committed to the performance and the initiatives of the company. And so now that we have this shifted focus to actually being more than just, you know, pieces of a machine, our productivity is that much higher. Yeah. I've heard, um, I've heard it said too, that people don't quit jobs. They quit managers and companies. Yes. And so if you, I think finally people are kind of starting to get on board with that and that, okay, I want my, my employees to be, if my employees are happy, they're going to do a better job and I'm going to make more money and we're just going to be all better off all the way around. Yeah, my experience is organizations that really put forth the effort to 
train and develop leaders have a much better atmosphere to work with and much more happens, much more productivity than companies that just say, eh, you're the boss and go be, go be the boss. There's more to being a boss. You got to be the leader, not just the boss. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Emma, hang around for one second and let Kim and I take care of a little business right here. Kim. Yes. How do they get hold of us? Uh, you can go to our website. Um, which is an hour of your life.com. I mentioned at the top of the show that we, I have a small announcement. We have new merch. Um, we have buttons that Steve is going to be getting up on the website, hopefully very soon. Um, so we have little buttons that you can buy if you would like. Uh, we'll try to also get the stickers up there. Um, if you want one or the other, just, you know, drop us a line, uh, until we get up on the, until we get them up on the website, just drop us a line, a lost hour at gmail.com. Or you can just talk to us via the chat feature on the website. Um, if you want to find us on Instagram or Facebook, it's an hour of your life. And on Twitter, it's a, at a lost hour. Yeah. And look, it's still not for profit. We're not, oh, yeah, no, no, we're no. not selling these buttons to make money off of it. We're just selling to cover the costs because some people have asked us about yeah, no, we're just doing it because we, we've we had people ask about merch. Um, and so we decided to start out small before we start printing t-shirts and stuff. We decided to start with like a little a little button. Yeah. And All see right. if those if those actually sell. And if not, then we're not going to do anymore. Then if they do, away. then we'll move up in the world. <laughs> then we give them away at the coffee shop yeah, on Saturday morning. Totally fine. Yeah. All right. So anything else, Kim? I don't think so. I just want to say thank you to Emma for taking the time today to be with us. Um, like we said, she's a very, very busy lady. Uh, and so I'm glad that you could carve out an hour for us and, and thank you so much for coming on the show. All right. So from our studios in Sugar Creek, Ohio, Sugar Creek Township, oh Ohio, gosh, get it right. I, I always <laughs> screw that up. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. Once again, if you are looking for Emma for coaching or inspiration, you can find her at wellness with Emma G on Instagram.